0: Welcome to a well-built podcast from Biltwell Bank. I'm Don Griffin, Biltwell's Executive for Human Resources, and it's my pleasure to serve today as your host. It's our goal to be the local economic engine that drives growth in the communities we serve. With this podcast, we'd like for you to gain knowledge about current events in banking, to answer some of your most common financial questions, and we'd like to simply connect with our communities in a meaningful way. If you miss an episode, you can access all of our prior episodes from our archive library available on our website, builtwellbank or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Well, let's begin. It's my pleasure today to have with me Blake Swafford, and Blake is the Director of Risk for Biltwell Bank. Welcome, Blake.
1: Hi, welcome, Don.
0: Um, well, I would like to talk to you today some, about some trends in the world of fraud, um, maybe some ways to help our customers minimize fraud and in- inevitably when fraud happens, what do I do? So if it's all right with you, that's the track we'll take for Sounds our time great. together today. Sounds great. So what would you say, Blake, is the biggest fraud trend right now?
1: Yeah, number one, I would say is definitely debit and credit card fraud Mm. that seems to just be prevalent we hear about it on the news we get text messages every week Um, that just really seems to be a big trending um, fraud in our area and nationwide and then surprisingly um, mail fraud and check fraud is back on the rise so we'll kind of talk some more about that but it didn't used to be a big deal several Mm. years ago but in the last year or so it's become a very large fraud trend
0: So is that primarily from people stealing things out of mailboxes? Is that what you're talking about there?
1: Yes. So um, actually, the U.S. Treasury just sent out a very nationwide bulletin with the USPS about how mail theft of checks and protecting your mail um, is very important and how they've seen this increase 100% year over year in the last year or so. And to protect your mail and to be aware of your mail.
0: Wow. So let's talk about check fraud. Um, What's going on with it? Why is it coming back? Give us some information about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's coming back really because, you know, electronic fraud is getting harder and harder to commit. You need more specialized equipment. You need more specialized learning. And we're getting better about controls. As you all know, you get a text message. If there's a debit card potential, you get an email, you get a phone call. It's more real time, and it's getting harder and harder to commit. So fraudsters are looking for easy ways, and they're going back to old means. Um, and really, you know, breaking into somebody's mailbox is pretty simple. You don't need special equipment. You really just need time and opportunity. And they go to people's mailboxes, and they open them up. And I mean, we even advertise that there's something in the mailbox. We put the red flag up. You drive up, you pull the mail out, you take the mail, you put the flag down. The person mailing is none the wiser. The mail USPS is none the wiser. They didn't know you had outgoing mail and you don't know for a while. So it's a pretty good way to do fraud uh, because all you really, like I said, is opportunity and time. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, if you think about even as a business, we're seeing a lot of this fraud um, businesses that mail checks to their vendors. You write a bunch of checks, you put it in the mail, and as far as you know, a vendor's going to get that check. So um, you expect that to clear your account. And even if you check your account, and you see a check clear. You might not check the image, and it might be going to someone that you did not intend. So, you know, really checking your online banking, um, making sure what checks are clearing your account is a huge way to mitigate that risk. If you're a consumer or a business, And I would encourage if you're a consumer or business, if you have the time, you know, you're going to mail a check, grab to the post office, hand it directly to the person at the post office, and that will mitigate the majority of your risk in mailing checks.
0: I would think, too, you know, one of the products that we have um, to do... um, bill pay Mm -hmm. um those checks i guess are mailed from a central processing location is that correct
1: that's correct yes and so with some bill pay we're able to mail checks and it does go you know much safer they were not sitting that in a mailbox on the street where somebody could pick that up or it's going out via ach and it's all electronic and protected from mail theft protected from any sort of fraud in that way um So, I mean, if you are a business and you want to learn some more, we've got a great treasury management department that can help you with that. We've got a lot of products that can help you mitigate mail fraud. It can, even if you want to stop writing checks and start doing ACHs, we can help you with that. And really, if you do some of our products, you can really minimize your risk and loss potential with check fraud.
0: Okay, great. So that's a conversation on checks. What about the cards? Credit cards, debit cards, talk about plastic and what goes on there as a way of
1: fraud. Yeah, I mean, you know, we use debit cards and credit cards every day. We go and buy gas. We buy things online. We use them over and over and over again. And that's their intended purpose. They're supposed to be used. They're supposed to be, you know, our central point of contact with vendors. And that's what they're designed for. And so every time you do use them, there's a chance that something could happen to that information. But there's definitely ways you can minimize that risk. There's definitely ways that you can offset it, because I'm not saying that we shouldn't use debit or credit cards. That is what they're meant for. They're supposed to be used and be touched by vendors and online merchants and used at the gas station. But there's always a chance that someone could steal that information.
0: Okay. So as a consumer, as a customer, what what can I do to minimize that risk of fraud?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So the first thing is really communicating with your local bank. So if you're going to travel, if you're going to go to Florida. If you're going to go internationally, letting your bank know that you're going to be traveling could not only prevent fraud, but also could prevent a hassle when you get there of your card not working. And when you do call in, um, you know, if you have a new cell phone number, if you've got a new email address, make sure you update that. Um, And really, anytime that you do change numbers, call your bank. Because our first line of defense is, you know, if you do have a debit card transaction that looks suspicious, we're going to text you. Then we're going to call you. Then we might email you. And if we have bad information, we can't get a hold of you. And suddenly you're stuck trying to check into a hotel at midnight down in Florida and your card's not working. And now you have an experience that's less than satisfactory. And it's because we can't get a hold of you because we don't have your contact info. So really letting us know your travel plans and then also your contact information that we can get a hold of you in the event that there is suspicion or there is unusual transactions. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say the second is probably just being aware online. I know I probably get a text every week from a bank that my online banking credentials have been hacked and I don't have an account with that bank. I get phone calls. I get emails. So when you do get that, you know, don't just click on links. Don't I get a thing all the time that says, my Amazon has been compromised. Please click here. I don't click on it. I go to Amazon if I'm actually concerned, and I log in, and sure enough, I have no fraud. It is not compromised. My bank account at this random bank has not been compromised. It is all fraudulent. So being aware when you are online on what you're clicking on, who's sending it to you, and then going to the actual website. Now, instead of clicking on a Biltwell Bank link, go to the Biltwell Bank website, log into your online banking and it's probably not actual fraud. Mm. So, and then also when you're in person, being aware. You know, one of the biggest issues we have with uh, in-person fraud is gas station terminals. Mm. They are not monitored. They might have cameras, but someone's not out there looking at the gas station terminal. And they make a very cheap piece of equipment called a skimmer. You can put it on a gas station terminal. And when you slide your debit card in and out, it captures your card number, your expiration date, the numbers on the back. And you're none the wiser because your gas station purchase goes through. Mm. And then all of a sudden you have fraud a day, two days later, maybe a month from then. And you have no idea that there was a little piece of equipment that costs 100 bucks on that gas station terminal and they got your info. So one way to really help in-person fraud is to uh, not necessarily swipe your card. The best The second best is to use the chip on the end of your card. Mm. So a lot of gas station terminals are now chip enabled, and when you insert the chip, it's much safer than using um, the classic debit card swipe. And then even better, and what I would encourage is that World Bank debit and credit cards have contactless now. So a lot of the newer gas stations, you go up, you tap your card, you never insert anything, and the data that passes from your card to the terminal, even if it was intercepted, is not necessarily all your info. They're not going to grab your debit card and your name and your expiration date. It's going to be data that they can't really use. Okay. And in the same vein, you know, Google Pay, Samsung Pay, Apple Pay, adding your Bitwell Bank debit card or credit card to it, it does the same thing. I was at a vendor the other day. I was buying something with contactless and suddenly a debit card number popped up on the screen which wasn't my debit card number. Mm. And I thought, "Oh no, what card did I just use?" And then I started looking and sure enough, it had passed, a card number that had no tie to me, it passed fraudulent, not fraudulent information not my information to the merchant and they had no idea what my actual debit card number was and i got to see it in action i was like wow even if someone got that info from this vendor they would have no idea what my actual information or be able to use that debit card in the future
0: that's a great uh, explanation of some very practical things it sounds like to help mitigate the risk of fraud when it comes to those cards um on the other hand, uh, considering just how prevalent fraud, check fraud or card fraud is today, it's almost an inv- inevitable that at, at some point, each of us is going to experience either a, an attempt or actual fraud on our account. So when that happens, what what's the process? What do I do when that happens?
1: Yes. And, you know, as director of risk, I deal in risk all day and You're right. It's it's probably going to happen at some point. It's happened to me. And, you know, when it does, we need to. The first thing I would really say is don't panic. So if it's a true fraudulent event or it's a actual fraud attempt, you don't have fraud today, but they're trying to get you. Their first step is they're going to make a situation that tries to cause you to panic. Some that we see are, you know, you get a text message or a phone call and email from the FBI, the IRS. Someone that is going to invoke fear in you when it's a fraudulent attempt or you have a loved one that has had a medical event. They need money. Those are just some examples and all of those are meant to cause you to panic, to not think logically, to not stop and be like, I need to do this now because I care about either the fact that I'm you know, going to go to jail from the FBI or I have a loved one that needs surgery and they have to have money now. So I think that's if it's a fraudulent attempt, they're going to try to make you panic. And even if it's legitimate, you do have fraud in your account. Don't panic. Bitwell Bank deals with this every single day. We are experts in trying to get the money back. We are experts in making sure you get a new debit card, of making sure that you are protected as a customer. So that's my first thing is just stop, don't panic, and try to think through the situation logically. Mm-hmm. The second is ask what information are they asking for? Because, you know, You might get a phone call, and it appears to be from Biltwell Bank. Well, it might not be from Biltwell Bank, just being completely honest. I could have my cell phone call you right now, Don, and it could make it look like it was Biltwell Bank, or I could call from something that said the IRS. I could make it look like I'm calling from anywhere, and I'm Mm -hmm. calling from my cell phone. So when someone does call you, stop and think, what are they asking me for? Okay. Biltwell Bank will never ask you for your full debit card number and your expiration date and your card, the number on the back of your card, we have that information.
0: So let me interrupt you and just yeah. let's say that one more time. The bank, your bank, will never ask for that full number. They'll never ask for the expiration date or the three-digit number on the back of the card.
1: Is that is that what you're saying? Yes. So if someone calls and said, oh, yeah, give me all this information and your PIN number, Bitwell Bank doesn't track your PIN number. We do not need to know that information. So, if someone calls and they're asking you for all that info, that is not how we are going to verify our customers. Okay. So, you can stop and say, Huh, this doesn't seem like they should be asking me these questions. They should have these answers. Or if we call and say, Give us your online banking credentials, your username, your password, we do not need to know that information. We do never need to know your password. That's between you and the system, and we don't need to know it. So, if someone calls and says, Oh, I need to verify you, give me your online banking credentials. Mm-hmm. You need to stop and question that. And if you ever do have, if there's any unusual questions that you are not comfortable with, if someone calls you and says they're from Biltwell Bank, they need to talk to you. If they are truly from Biltwell Bank and you stop them and say, can I call you back? I'm going to call the number on the back of my card. I'm going to call my local banker and then I can call you back. If it is legitimately a Biltwell Banker, we are going to say, hey, that's great. Absolutely. That is completely fine. Call us back. We'll talk to you in just a minute. If it is a fraudster, they are not going to want you to call us back because when you call us, you're actually going to get us and not them. They're going to say, oh, no, you have to do it now. Again, they're going to try to cause you to panic. So, again, just don't panic. Kind of stop and think, what questions are they asking me? What would they normally ask me? And then if you really have any concerns, hang up. Call the person that you do know here at the bank.
0: Well, Blake Swafford, our Director of Risk at Biltwell Bank, thanks for a very informative, a very practical conversation. It's been a pleasure to talk with you today. And to our listeners, thank you for sharing a few minutes of your day with us. We'd like for you to stay tuned for our next episode and follow a Biltwell podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts.